0: Welcome to our weekly catechism class. This is a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help us to learn Christian doctrine with a warm and a practical application. Every lesson has an accompanying study guide. The web link to find that guide is in the episode notes. Now, let's start the class. So welcome, welcome to our Catechism class. We're looking at Lord's Day 20, question 53, which is about the work of the Holy Spirit. The last time we met we discussed why the Apostles' Creed and the Heidelberg Catechism spend so little time on the person and work of the Holy Spirit compared with the extensive teaching on God the Father and God the Son. It's Almost like a bit of an enigma, when the Bible clearly teaches the equality of the three persons within the Godhead. We reached a couple of important conclusions. Well, firstly, that our reformed understanding of the place of the Holy Spirit in worship is very much reflective of the primary work of the Holy Spirit, which is to glorify Christ. And secondly, that our understanding of the place of the Holy Spirit in worship is reflective of the biblical revelation of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, which makes much more and reveals to us much more about God the Father and God the Son than it does about the Holy Spirit himself, who himself inspired the biblical writers. So with that cleared up, we went on to look at what the catechism teaches us about the person of the Holy Spirit, that he is a person not an inanimate force, that he is true God and that he is eternal. But the Catechist teaching on the Holy Spirit consists in two parts, not only the person of the Holy Spirit, but the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's to that second body of truth to which we must turn in this lesson. I'm Bob McAvoy, and you're listening to the Semper Reformata Podcast. So let's remind ourselves of our question and answer from the Heidelberg Catechism. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that He is, together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, He is also given to me, to make me by true faith share in Christ and all His benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. So we have these three easy statements about the work of the Holy Spirit. First of all, the Holy Spirit is given as a gift to us. Secondly, the Holy Spirit regenerates us. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit eternally abides with us. So in this lesson, we're going to look at the first of these two, awakening and regeneration. And then hopefully in our next lesson, we'll get a look at how the Holy Spirit is our down payment of heaven. He's the earnest of our inheritance. And we'll see how we may obey the command to not grieve the Holy Spirit and explore what the scripture means by the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Let's begin. The Holy Spirit is given. But we want to know how and why. Now we're going to see here how every single word of the Catechism is absolutely pregnant with meaning. When you read the Heidelberg Catechism, I recommend that you read it slowly and think about every single word, for you will find that when the authors wrote it, they must have given deep consideration to every single word they put on the page. This section is a great example of this. He is also given to me. So the Holy Spirit is God's gift. He is given. The Lord Jesus warned his disciples that he had to leave them to go away, and he promised that when he would go away, he would send another comforter, the Holy Spirit. In John 14, verse 16 to 17, he says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you for ever, even the Spirit of truth. So theologians will sometimes speak of the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. The Father gives us the Holy Spirit through the Son. The Son sends us the Holy Spirit from the Father. John 15 and verse 26, Jesus said, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father. He shall testify of me. The Nicene Creed here says, And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. Matthew 3 and 11 John the Baptist I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He is God's gift. He is given to us through Christ. But more than that, the Catechist emphasizes that he is given to me. He makes it intensely personal. Well, of course, we believe, first of all, that the Holy Spirit is given to the church. That's what the day of Pentecost was about in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. On that day, the promised Holy Spirit was given to the church. Now, when I was young, we used to sing a hymn by William Booth. It went, Look down and see this waiting host give us the promised Holy Ghost. We want another Pentecost, send the fire, send the fire. I know that Booth wanted dedicated, energized, enthusiastic Christians who were living and working for the Saviour, but that hymn is theologically poor. The day of Pentecost was a one-off, historical, never-to-be-repeated event. We don't want or need another Pentecost any more than we want another virgin birth or another Calvary. But even though we shouldn't be expecting the events of the upper room to be repeated or recreated, the Catechist does make this personal. The Holy Spirit is given to me. In this God is active, we simply receive the gift. As Christians, we do not have to seek the Holy Spirit or tarry for the Spirit our role in this is entirely passive. We receive the Holy Spirit. To those defective believers at Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, Paul simply asks, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now let's be absolutely clear about this. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to every single believer. In fact, a person cannot be a Christian at all without the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if we don't have any biblical warrant for some attempt to replicate the events of the day of Pentecost, that really begs a question, what means then does God use to impart this gift of the Holy Spirit to his elect? Our catechist himself, in his own commentary on the catechism, lists two ways in which the Holy Spirit is given as a gift, Two individuals. The first way he suggests is through the ordinary external means of word and sacrament. In these common dispensations, as Christ is proclaimed and placarded to his elect people, the Holy Spirit is given to those whom the Lord will call to be his. Now we do understand that not everyone who hears the gospel will be saved, Like Felix in Acts 24, who trembled under the preaching of the word and yet was not saved. Felix was enlightened. He was awakened to his sin. He was blessed in that he heard the greatest gospel preacher this world has ever known after Christ himself. But without the effectual call of God in salvation, Felix could not be saved. He was quite simply not one of God's chosen people. Listen carefully to the words of Jesus in Matthew 22 and 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. John 6 and 37 All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. John 6 and 44 No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And Paul in 2 Thessalonians two thirteen to 14 says that we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So one of the ways in which God imparts this gift of the Holy Spirit is simply by pointing us to Christ through the administration of the sacraments, through the preaching of the Word of God. But the second way is through the internal work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's heart and will and mind. The Holy Spirit himself creates a desire within us so that we will of our own free will seek the Saviour. We call this the effectual call. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks in question 31, what is effectual calling? And the answer is, effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ and renewing our wills, he doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. There's a good biblical example of this in Acts chapter 16 verse 14 down to verse 15. One who heard us, writes Luke, was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart To pay attention to what was said by paul so there are these two common applications of god's holy spirit given to us to bring us to christ but having awakened us to our need of salvation and directed us to the cross through the ministry of word and sacrament and the work of the holy spirit inside our hearts the holy spirit then applies christ's saving work to me So the Catechist teaches us that the Holy Spirit will make me by true faith share in Christ and all his benefits. Now the office of the Holy Spirit is to prepare a holy people for Christ, a bride suitable for the Lamb, and we call that work the work of sanctification. It begins at regeneration, when we're separated from our wicked, sinful rebellion against God. And it continues right throughout our lives. And it is perfected when we are at home with the Lord forever. Let's look at the initiation of that sanctifying work. When the Holy Spirit works a miracle of grace in our lives by giving us new life, by regenerating us, we call this The new birth. We're going to read some scripture texts. So we're going to read Ezekiel 36 in verse 25 and the prophet says here, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. John 3 verse 5 to 7 Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 to 5 But God who is rich in mercy Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13 For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Titus 3 and 5, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now the Catechist breaks this work of the Spirit into two headings. He tells us that he creates in me saving faith. So Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The very faith that we need to accept Christ, to take his free gift of salvation, is in itself the gift of God, given to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And also, he brings me into Christ." He unites us with Christ, so that we are brought into his kingdom, given new life in him, clothed in his righteousness, and made a member of his body. We are in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11 says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3 Therefore I make known unto you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So Matthew Barrett, writing on the Gospel Coalition website, comments Regeneration is the act of God alone and therefore it is monergistic in nature. Accomplished by the sovereign act of the Spirit, apart from and unconditioned upon man's will to believe. So let's recap. We've learned that the Holy Spirit is given to the elect as God's gift to awaken them to their lost condition and to point them to the Saviour, to the Lord Jesus and his atoning work for us on the cross. And the Holy Spirit does this through both the external application of the word and sacraments, both pointing to Christ, and through his internal work, his subjective work, creating in us a desire to be saved. He applies the saving work of Christ, the atonement that Christ procured at the cross, when he regenerates us, gives us new life by grace through faith, which in itself is God's gift. Next time we'll consider how the Holy Spirit remains with us eternally and what we mean by grieving the Spirit and the blasphemy against the Spirit. So thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you would like to help to get the podcast better known, there's a really easy way that you can do that. Go into your podcast app on your phone or your mobile device. Search for the Semper Reformata podcast. Subscribe to it. And if your podcast app allows you to, give it a five-star rating. And that will help others to find the podcast more easily. So thanks again for listening.